1: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Matt Harmon, and today I'm extremely excited because we're going to take a little trip around the NFC West with a couple of really smart guests who not only are great just at football in general they're great at their specific teams the 49ers and the Rams we'll get to that in a second but they're also two of my good friends in the industry I've been thankful to actually meet in real life which feels especially special at this point in our human existence but before we get to all that I do want to let you all know you have to sign up to play fantasy on yahoo Sign up for a fantasy team with us at Yahoo, and if you really want to get an edge over your league mates, which of course you do, give Yahoo Fantasy Plus a spin. We have the trade hub, the research assistant, cheat sheets, all sorts of deeper extra features on top of the Yahoo Fantasy that you already know and love. Sign up for a league and get your free trial of Yahoo Fantasy Plus at yahoo.com slash fantasy football. Now, enough of that. What I'm really excited to do right now is to talk to my friend Jordan Rodrigue of The Athletic, who does an incredible job. Jordan, you were already like a superstar when we first met. Now you're like, I don't even know what to say, like a, a, a damn rocket <laughs> ship to the top of the charts here covering the L.A. Rams. Thank you so much for, for, for talking with me today.
0: Oh, thanks for having me, Matt. I know it's a, it's been a crazy day. Um, but I'm always happy to take some time and talk with you. Um, I love keeping up with you. It seems like you're just doing amazing things, um, every day. And you know me, I'm a sucker for reception perception. You know, I had to get that plug in here as well. So, there you go. um, yeah. So I appreciate you having me on.
1: She plugged it higher ups, not me. Just remember that. Now I said it. Um, he didn't even ask me to say it, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, there was no, there was no exchange here. Um, no, uh, Jordan. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. It's funny. Um, I, I've been complaining all day about my hectic day, which has mostly just been classic work from home, dude. Like my internet isn't working right. <laughs> actually, Jordan is doing real work. <laughs> actually, they reporting. The bunker, on, yeah. yeah, on, on uh, well, I mean, hey, that a trade is a trade, so it is what it is. But let's. Before we dive into the Rams, I just want to hit this quick because it was kind of the biggest news of the day, and it actually is a little bit of connective tissue here with your past uh, reporting on the Carolina Panthers. Um, New England, the Patriots, they have released Cam Newton, which I thought that was a surprise until you really think about it. They're clearly going to Mac Jones. The Patriots' shop has already sold out of his jerseys. What a time to be Mac Jones. Uh, Now, obviously... Jordan, you know that the style of offense that they ran last year with the Patriots and Cam Newton, it's going to be pretty different now with Mac Jones. Obviously, I'm sure you paid a little bit of attention to Mac Jones because it was a pretty long time when we thought he was going to be in the NFC West with the 49ers there. Clearly not going to happen. Um, what was kind of your thoughts on Mac Jones as a quarterback? And what do you think he brings to to the table here?
0: Yeah, well, uh, definitely Bill Belichick, you know, Dave Ziegler, they- think they see something in him in terms of not just to me not just from an offensive standpoint maybe a team building standpoint in in terms of like uh, I don't ever think we can say the Patriots are like a rebuilding team because of their their recent history (laughs) but in terms of the way that they sort of went heavy in terms of uh, restocking some places and and focusing on some of those things to me from a team building perspective you know any team regardless of whether it's the Patriots or any random given NFC West team, if you can get a younger quarterback, a cheap quarterback, then you have a better chance of rebuilding a long-term roster around that quarterback if you feel it's the right one. So I think other than like complete and total shock today when I saw that headline, I think that was maybe my first reaction was like, They might try to do one of those situations where maybe they're not going to come out and say like, yeah, we are totally overhauling and rebuilding and trying to work around it. But from a long-term team build perspective, having a quarterback who um, you're developing in-house, first of all, and then second of all, who's cheap for a long time, that's that's something you kind of do when you restructure your organization in that way.
1: Yeah. And frankly, I think that like now is the time for Mac Jones because while you know, the mass audience out there it might not, and I, I still feel like the Patriots skill position group is kind of being looked at as if it's just like a, bu- a total bunch of goofballs, right? Like it was last year. But like, I think Jacoby Myers is a pretty good player. Um I think Damian Harris ran well last year. Like those guys, I think both get, like a little tick up because they're going to throw the ball and they're going to throw the ball with more tempo now, I think, that Mac Jones is back there. Like, Jacoby Myers, his ADP has been rising in fantasy. Don't care. Still in on where he's going. He is one of my favorite sleepers this year. I, I love him at his draft cost. And and same thing with, with Damian Harris as well. Just all these guys, I think, because they'll run a more traditional offense with Mac Jones back there, again, passing with more timing tempo everything they used to do with Tom Brady like I, I'm not saying Mac Jones is gonna be Tom Brady but like I think they'll run a similar <laughs> style offense there um also Johnny Smith another guy that I think has been underrated throughout the process and even Nelson Aguilar is a decent deep threat there so I think they're they're set up to succeed early with Mac Jones so and I think it just makes sense like again you you know <laughs> the Cam Newton effect pretty well Jordan like he, the guy casts an oversized shadow just wherever he is like I think just having him out of the building is probably best long-term for Mac Jones. Do you just total, total speculation? Don't care. Like uh, how accurate this is. What do you think is next for cam? Like, cause for me, I look around like the rest of the league and I'm like, I just don't really see like a spot for him, you know?
0: Yeah. I actually want to speak to your point because I think that it really stinks for a quarterback when it's a double-edged sword in that way, because somebody brings you in to help, Hold together an organization essentially. If if you're a, uh, and I'm n- I'm certainly never going to call someone with Cam Noon's history and caliber uh, of background a a bridge quarterback, but right. because he was there for such a short time, I guess on paper, so it kind of stinks, right? If you're that guy because you're there to hold the pieces of something together, and because you have that charisma and that personality you know, that's something that really does help keep everyone together and keep everyone intact through a time of overhaul, a time of change, a period of um, a tumultuous journey, I think, over the last year for them. Then it becomes a double-edged sword. And I don't know if this is happening. I jump on here and we're like, hey, we're going to talk about this. And and I'm covering Rams all day. So I don't know if this is a factual thing that happened or not. But seeing some of the things that come out where it's like, well, you know, someone with uh, a personality who commands the locker room in such a way, you know, maybe you want to let the young quarterback shine. And I'm like, well, man, that's kind of a double edged sword, right? Because you you went out and found a guy who could hold everything together for you and rally people behind him. And then all of a sudden, that's not the characteristic that you want in a a quarterback in your locker room, uh, just because it's not the quarterback you chose. So I think that that's really what I've been thinking about today. Let, mm. Less so, you know, kind of what it means and where he goes and all of that. Um, I, I do think he's got football left in him. I will believe it when I see it when he stops playing because I've seen firsthand the passion that he has for the game. Now hard he works, so I, I'll believe it when I see it. But I, I that is actually something I've been thinking about today. Every time I saw the headline cross, man, you have this quality that you're celebrated for, and then all of a sudden it becomes one of the things that maybe kind of move you out the door and to me that's that's a hard thing um as, as a person i think would be
1: i i love that point too and and it's interesting because like you even saw cam like go down the sideline like hunting mac jones for a high five like after jones did something good in the preseason like ready to be that supportive teammate or whatever but it's yeah this thing that you're like celebrated for this this personality the way that people just gravitate towards you it it might end up being like you're undoing as a quarterback and it's just a weird business, this whole football thing, you know? I mean, it's it's tough. And I, I hope that we see Cam again. I hope that we... He probably wasn't the best fit for this version of the Patriots offense and where they wanted to go. But I would love to see him resurface at some point. You know, um, it's just kind of hard to find a spot right now. But anyways, Jordan, let's move on from the from the past of the Patriots and get into really what I want to talk to you about because you are so embedded with the Los Angeles Rams and you know I I wanted to bring you on and Kyle Posey later to talk about two teams that I think are like so important to figure out not just for fantasy football but figuring out the NFL in general so let's dive into the Rams right now because a lot of change you know right like (laughs) one thing that we talked about with you last year on the podcast when we did kind of the same segment was you know, the whole Cam Akers thing, like onboarding. We'll get to Matthew Stafford's stuff in a second because that's the obvious one. But I do want to stick on the backfield here for a second because you basically nailed this last year when you said, you know, you came on, you're like, they want to get Cam Akers, like they want him to be the guy, but they're going to onboard him a little slowly, Mm -hmm. right? I think that was your exact term. And Cam Akers basically was kind of on the shelf for a while, had some moments, but then really hit the ground running when he hit the ground running um, late in the year. Obviously, Akers rough injury um to start the year it's unfortunate for a player that was just kind of i think really ready to take off but now with daryl henderson and then sony michelle obviously added to the mix where do you see this backfield heading in 2021
0: yeah so and then xavier jones who was supposed to be a, a solid depth player for them um and you know really him and jake funk put together a nice training camp and made a case for themselves also tore his Achilles and required surgery. So they had to waive him. Um, that was, he was one of their cuts today and, and they hope to bring him back on IR at some point, but um, there's some things to work out in that regard. Um, so that that's a bummer as well with, for, for Xavier Jones. But with, with Daryl and with Sony, like to me, it's still a complimentary package right now. And part of it is, they're still very much trying to figure out how to maximize Daryl Henderson's availability. We have no questions about his ability, I think. Anybody has no, no questions about that, especially how much of a threat he can be in the passing game, how elusive and explosive he can be, um, especially after a couple of cuts or if you get him in space. Um, really, really outstanding talent. But he has not had consecutive 15-plus yard carries, g- carry games game over game since he was in high school. And so to me, wow. you know, obviously it, it, it always spelled to me, you have to bring somebody in. The Rams kind of waited to see until somebody they actually liked was available. Um, and they obviously traded for Sony last week. Which feels like a year ago at this point. Um, <laughs> yes. But, but um, <laughs> to me, that's a very complimentary back. You know, Sony Michelle, Lesney describes him as a North to South um, with force back, a one cut downhill guy. So to me, that's not necessarily how we describe Daryl Henderson. Um, so for now, I think they're still going to be working them in compliment. I think you're going to see, maybe you'll maybe even see a little bit of Jake Funk in there. And I also think that Jake Funk becomes a little bit more of an injury insurance as well. Um, because we just still aren't sure if Daryl Henderson can get through an entire season totally healthy, but I do think you'll see a lot of complimentary play. Maybe I wouldn't call it like a committee. Cause that would imply three, two, you know, more than two running backs. Yeah. So I would think it's going to be those two and working in compliment see if they can find that magic number, not just for Sony to get into a rhythm, but also for Daryl um, to get into a rhythm and stay healthy down a 17 game stretch.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of like the give and take of when you're running a two back set like that is, you know, I always reference like a conversation I had with Maurice Jones, Drew name drop uh, at uh, NFL Network when he was talking about like running backs, the, the tough part about the the whole split committee thing is that you, you know, as if that position you want to get into a rhythm, you want to get into a flow of it. And I think Sony Michelle is a great example of a guy that When he was in the flow of it and in that rhythm as like a 20 plus carry guy for the Patriots during that run up to the Super Bowl with these very same Los Angeles Rams, he was just absolutely feeling it. It's gonna I think that's almost why it could be, and I fantasy managers are gonna hate to hate to hear this. My thought about it when I first saw the trade is like, I feel like it's gonna be a September of Daryl Henderson and an October of Sony Michelle, and then like a November of Daryl Henderson, and then like a December, January of Sony Michelle. Maybe I'm way off base on that. But I could see that it being that sort of committee where like years end, it's 6040. But it might have been like 8020 during different chapters of the year.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably fair, because you just never situationally too. you just never know. And they've got we're gonna, I know we'll get to this in a minute, but they've got Matthew Stafford now. So they, <laughs> Matthew Stafford's a player where, yeah, you you know, you know, want to run play action and you want to have the red run game predicate the pass and all that, but you don't need to be so fully dependent on it in that way. So if, if things aren't working situationally with one of your backs and you don't necessarily feel like you just want to throw the other one in, you have some different things you can try out this time uh, as opposed to maybe seasons prior. And I think that I I wouldn't be surprised. Like if they especially come up against opponents who are going to try to load up the box against them, then okay hey, run, you know, Sony Michelle, yeah. that's his bread and butter. If you think you can work Daryl Henderson in, in more of the passing game, if you think you even are going to work more two-back sets, I mean, I'm not ruling anything out with these guys yeah. as long as they can stay healthy. And I, I, I would not, you know, Sean, you say like two-back sets, and Sean McVay used to like shudder, right? But... I, think he, I, I don't think it's something he's ruling out at this point. I mean, I, I think pretty much everything's on the table now that he has the quarterback that he wants and that includes any of these sort of tandems. Um, and they and they will run through Thomas Brown, the running backs coach and his assistant head coach who did coach Sonny also at Georgia. And so um, getting a pulse of that and getting a feel for that is is going to totally run through Thomas Brown as well.
1: Yeah, it will be fascinating to see um, like Which one of these guys emerges as a receiver and against which type of like base defense and everything? It's going to be really. It might be a nightmare for people that have these guys on their little fake football teams at some point, but it is going to be um, a pretty fascinating uh, situation to watch. Look, I've buried the lead enough, right? Like classic talk about feels like a hundred years ago.
0: Stafford has. I mean, Matthew
1: Stafford's (laughs) been on the Rams for like three years now at this point, right? In terms of like Earth years, maybe it's been less than one, but in like our our times, it feels like this was three years ago this happened. So I buried the lead enough. Let's talk Stafford. Number one, just excitement level. Give me an excitement level of one to ten around this whole situation.
0: I mean, like, Sean McVay really could not contain himself about... Well, I mean, he's he's, always, at like the headlines. Headlines. he's yeah. always at
1: like a 12. He's always at
0: like a 12. But this was different because he's been careful I think around media for the last couple of years and and I think very polished and everything and it's almost like in Mean Girls, when she talks about having word vomit and things just like come out. You don't mean to say them, but they just come out. Well, he just can't. He literally cannot contain his excitement about Matthew Stafford. And he'll be in some random setting, like a Super Bowl host committee press conference and talk about what, you know, he's in so much of a better mood right now. And I'm like, oh, maybe now is not the time to share that. But still, you know, it's, it's it's not false. And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with, you know, Jared Goff, But it also has everything to do with Matthew Stafford. The two really work well together. Um, They collaborate a lot. They're constantly troubleshooting with each other at practice. Um, It was a really cool and and fun thing for me to spend training camp, like a real quote-unquote training camp, um, sort of just like lurking behind that sideline and Mm -hmm. listening to what they were talking about and and how they were able to build and troubleshoot things in real time. And I think that's really what McVeigh has been missing is somebody who does that with him who troubleshoots in real time who doesn't isn't perfect necessarily I mean there have been a lot of mistakes and you know you can tell some days that Matthew Stafford is learning this offense for the new for the first time it's a complicated space in which to learn and it's very competitive and they call a lot of things live so you're going against Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and it's terrible (laughs) probably for a quarterback (laughs) and so you you really are learning and troubleshooting real time but you see the blocks being stacked together and you see them Working through things, and the receivers obviously are a huge help with that as well, so that's been really interesting to see and I think that even on days where it is hard, it is also rewarding and In the past, on days that were tough, McVeigh probably did not feel like they were rewarding, so I think that that mm. makes the the biggest difference in sort of the change of of attitude around there right now
1: yeah McVeigh is in the in the spot of and you know. We've all probably been there, you know. Somebody that like breaks up with their significant other and then really quickly moves on to somebody else, and like, listen, every time you post about you, you post about, about you, it on Instagram. You post about <laughs> on Instagram. I mean, listen, you post about it on Instagram. You're not taking a shot at your ex, but revenge you sir- bod. Yeah, yeah, you, Matthew you sir- Stafford
0: is Sean McVay's revenge bod. <laughs>
1: Right. Exactly. And again, I'm not saying that I haven't made that exact same mistake or (laughs) well, mistake. It's kind of relative, right? Like, listen, McVeigh is happy now. He's good. We're all living our best life now. So it's fine. What can you do? I'm sure Jared Goff isn't looking back in anger. I don't know about that. But Regardless, I I also think for Stafford too. It's got to as freeing as it is for McVeigh, and as exciting as it is for him. It's got to also be the same thing for Stafford, who now you know, I mean, spent years in like football hell in Detroit, where you're constantly maybe not looking over your own shoulder, but you're looking at this coach like, how long is this guy going to be around? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, McVeigh's got job security. Obviously, there's there's some pressure in LA to win and everything like that. But this is one of the top five offensive minds going right now, it also has to be as equally as exciting for a guy like Stafford, too, to finally be in this position in his career.
0: Yeah, I would say so. I think that it's it's funny because it's also like another complete kind of hell that Jalen Ramsey will put you in at practice if you throw the ball <laughs> his way. It's a very I can unique, only imagine. It's a very unique circle of hell. Um, but I, I really <laughs> think that um, I didn't know Matthew before. I'd watched him play and I thought, um, you know, wow, that, that guy I think is pretty underrated. Um, in terms of when you talk about, you know, quarterbacks, who can do elite things with their arms in various ways. And so I think that he is, he's settling in, you can see sort of the roots starting to form and plant in some of the relationships that he builds. Players want to be around him. And you yeah. can see that very clearly. And I think that's first, that's the biggest step to cross. It's the biggest hurdle, particularly when you're developing that rapport and you are Being that leader and sort of entering that space, but also while you're learning at the same time. So I think almost it's kind of funny. It's almost like when I have a really stressful, it's not even close to the same amount of level because I'm just, you know, a useless writer, but it's like when I have a really, really stressful deadline, but then also the Rams made a bunch of cuts on a single day and I have to focus on those cuts. Well, I'm in the process of learning about one thing. So I'm not thinking about the thing that causes the most ultimate pressure at the end of the day. So I think he's so immersed in the course of learning and immersed in the process of learning right now that um, I actually believe him when he says like, you Mm -hmm. know, Super Bowl is not really something I'm thinking about right now. I'm trying to, you know, remember which way to turn in Thousand Oaks when I get, you know, when I'm trying to get to the practice facility and Things like that. So I I think that I actually believe him when he says things like that. I think that's a good way to look at it because you have to take every day for what it is um, and not get too far ahead of things. And I know that's total cliche coach speak, but it's kind of funny how many things that are cliche coach speak actually turn out to be true for some of these players.
1: Well, first of all, I'd love for you to um, at some point lighten me how to, you know, single focus on one thing when there's three <laughs> stressful things going on. Um, I would love for you to be able to teach me at some point how to do that because I um, just increase the stress level to, you know, three more knots when there's three more things to stress about. But be that as it may. I think it's true too. Like when a, a like a guy like Matthew Stafford has been in Detroit his entire NFL career, you know, he's been forever. This is probably an overwhelming sort of like immersive experience. I would I would agree. I would agree. It would be crazy for him to be sitting here thinking about man, it's Super Bowl or bust. Like there's a lot more on the guy's plate um, at this point. Speaking of which, as he's going to change the entire offense, like clearly that's the excited point uh, that we're all at here. You know. Obviously, and I know you've done a lot of reporting on this too. One of the biggest things, like that, was easy to take away from Les Snead and Sean McVeigh as they were, you know, talking about Matthew Stafford during and sort of being a little bit more careful to their ex girlfriend on Instagram, <laughs> but still making this making the making the statement as it was. They really wanted to kind of like open up the entire field, like open up. Um, what was the what was the term like activate all eligibles or, yeah, or something activate like activate all yeah. the
0: eligibles? That's the number one term if you're Boom. thinking about the Rams offense this year.
1: Yes. Activation
0: of eligibles that's going to be the key. And I think when you activate all of your eligibles, if you split like if you split the um, you know, let's go with the flatbread analogy. If you split the the field up into a, a flatbread, right, and you have it sectioned out you don't want just like a middle piece or or a wide piece, right? You you want like a little bit of everything. That's what they're going to be doing. They're activating the eligibles. They're spreading everything wider. In my opinion, I think that's what they're going to end up doing. You know, they they ended up playing small ball last year. And we all know that's something that I covered probably ad nauseum over at The Athletic um, because they moved toward higher probability plays, which meant throws closer to the line of scrimmage, throws that were, had a less likelihood of a uh, percentage of being intercepted. And Jared Goff's air yards per pass decreased and were a career low is like something like 6.2 air yards per pass. And that in theory, because the number one thing that frustrated McVay was the turnovers. So that in theory was supposed to, um, sort of increase the offensive efficiency because the ball wasn't getting turned over and they could develop or they could depend on guys like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup for catch and run explosives versus, um, having that layer of air yards explosives. And also it worked in tandem with the fact they didn't have like a true deep threat after, um, Brandon Cooks left the building. So, That ultimately backfired on them because it worked for the first couple of games of the year. And Cooper Cup and Robert Woods do lead the league year over year in yards after the catch. But because teams were also starting to be able to pressure Jared Goff with less defenders, they could load the box and force mismatches against guys like Cooper Cup, against guys like Robert Woods. And then a mathematical advantage the Rams are always trying to build via the Shanahan-McVay system actually flipped on them And became detrimental because then those high probability plays actually became riskier throws because there's more traffic in the middle of the field, right? So turnovers, again, you know, were a problem and it completely imploded and backfired on them. Well, they're trying to just like throw everything, throw it all out, (laughs) run the same system, obviously, but spread things out wider, distribute the ball um, a lot more. And that's when we say activation of eligibles is because you know, five eligible on the field every play, they want to make sure that these guys are touching the ball and are getting the ball. And building more complementary layers, I think, into certain levels of the passing game via addition of personnel, but also by, by the addition of Matthew Stafford's arm. You know, I asked Sean McVay directly about the small ball approach last season, like three days before they traded for Jared Goff. He was basically like, "That's this is not the world I want to live in. Like, we have to create more explosive plays. And so going out and getting Matthew Stafford, but also adding Deshaun Jackson, adding two Atwell, adding Jacob Harris, expanding the, the route tree, I think, for Van Jefferson, um, and then relying on Cooper Cup and Robert Woods to do what they do in the middle. I think that benefits everybody, not just vertically, but also horizontally.
1: Yeah. I mean, going back and watching Robert Woods, and especially Cooper Cup last year, charting their routes over the last you know, few months or whatever... It's just so apparent that okay, teams know where this ball's going, right? Like and and Cooper Cup's one of the best zone coverage receivers in the NFL, like finding the the open holes there, but still it gets a lot tougher when they know that that like they it's that little small square, shorten over the middle. That's where this ball's going. Um I actually think for that reason, this is one of the years I'm most excited, like from a fantasy angle, to rank Cooper Cup aggressively or draft him aggressively, because it's gonna like you said, Matthew Stafford's arm alone. And the approach that will follow that is going to push like defensive backs out of that box. It's going to open things up for a guy like Cooper Cup and just keep like the offense is just going to matriculate down the field better without that small ball approach. So I I love that. I've been very excited about Cooper Cup for that reason. A couple more things before we get you out of here, Jordan. I've been really like gassed up about Tyler Higbee this this offseason as well. (laughs) Every
0: year Um, he sets you up every single year.
1: Well, it's like last year it was kind of doomed to fail because well, from a, like a production angle because, because Gerald Everett was still there. But Gerald Everett is gone now. You know, I think also Everett, by the way, is, is underrated in um, Seattle himself. Um, but it kind of feels like things are set up for Higby to play. Like everybody else, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, these guys have all gotten the Matthew Stafford bump, but it feels like Tyler Higby has not gotten the Matthew Stafford bump. Um, do you think this is fool's gold again or do you think he's going to be a pretty big part of this offense?
0: I do think he'll be a pretty big part of this offense. I don't know if he's going to put up the same week over week production. He had like that, that golden series of weeks where he was like, you know, one of the best, if not the best pass catching tight end in the league um, a couple of years ago. I don't know if you can consistently expect that from, uh, from just, the way that McVay's offense will run. But I do expect him to be heavily involved in the passing game. I expect him to be better utilized in the red zone. And he is back, you know, he's back in the lead in terms of he's not, there's not necessarily now Jacob Harris, I think is going to emerge into a very special player for the Rams, Mm. but he's not necessarily, they don't technically, even though they share the same film room, they don't technically play the same position. Jacob Harris is detached from the core a lot. He's used on fades, which low probability throw, but nobody asked me. Um, So (laughs) (laughs) no, stop doing that. Not Um, the fade. Anyway, but I I think that Tyler Higbee, I mean, I think you'll see him a lot, especially in the beginning part of the year as they're still continuing to onboard um, Jacob Harris. And then Johnny Munt is sort of uh, more of a blocker, but definitely a compliment um, in terms of and maybe not even a compliment because that inquire or that implies like equality of, of shares, but maybe more of a supplement to whatever Tyler Higby is going to be able to do um, in the passing game. But I do, I expect him to get a lot more involved early on. Um, I expect them to need him in line less as a blocker. Yeah. You know, sure. again, like teams were pressuring golf with less um, effectively. And so you bring more players in line and then there you, they take the, you take them out of the passing game I don't think that'll be as big of a problem this year because we know that, uh, Matthew Stafford can, you know, escape and then reset his launch points and things like that. So I think that'll be less of an issue. And in that way you can have the side end continue to peel out and be a, a big bodied target. So I, I mean, I, I expect big things I did. I expected, you know, reasonable things last year too, but everything kind of, like I said, everything just kind of imploded and none, you know, it's not not Tyler Higby's fault, but you know, it just, it it was something I expected him to be like a safe target almost. And, um, it just never really kind of worked out that way. So I do expect big things from him this year.
1: No doubt. All right. Last thing. It's also, it's crazy by the way, that like I've talked to you for 30 minutes and I feel like it's insane that we're talking about the Rams and, um, we're not going to like do another 30 minutes on like their defense, which is you know, way more fascinating, I know. potentially. And you know
0: me, I'm so defense biased, too. I, like, I, know, I cover a I Sean McVay team, but I'm just like, defense, defense, defense. Yeah, it's I know. Crazy. Which is why I
1: make sure yeah. I bring you on my <laughs> stupid fantasy podcast every year. <laughs> so, so we can't talk about any defense. Uh, no, no defense allowed here. But seriously, last thing here, um, and this is one I've struggled with. Who the hell is going to be the third receiver on this team, right? Like, we expect this to go... Robert Woods, Cooper Cup sort of as tied mm-hmm. at the top there, one and two, you know, then Higby and then the backs, whatever. But like the actual third WR designated wide receiver, I think is going to be pretty important here because you brought up Brandon Cook's name and, you know, all, all the time I'm sitting there watching last year, I'm like, man, you know, who this team could have used Brandon friggin' Cook's, right? Because like, <laughs> thank God they really could have used the lid lifter. I think they still, especially now that they have Stafford, like, man, you would love them to have. A lid lifter on this team. Obviously, they bring in Deshaun Jackson, one of the best at doing just that for years, but I mean, can you really trust him for more than like 30 snaps a week at that? Maybe at best, um, like stay healthy, the whole thing. Van Jefferson is a guy I'm still really intrigued with. They, they draft 2 2 Atwell pretty aggressively. How is this number three receiver spot going to shake out?
0: Yeah, I think if you're looking at it in terms of maybe touchdown capability, like home run hit touchdown capability, I think like the this- I don't want to say a safe bet because you do have to factor in the injury situation and history, but Deshaun Jackson, I think is like still going to be a home run hitter for them at least early in the year while he's healthy. He says, He's feeling. I mean, he he, went, he made it through camp completely healthy. They've got him on a, a management plan in terms of the snap load, something that he says he's never had before. So that's really important. Um, he actually said he could play for another several years with how great he's feeling, which I always love when players say that because um, <laughs> I just love how good everyone feels in camp because it hopes and expectations yeah. are high and I'm an optimist. So I just like when everyone's we love feeling that. good, right? But um, I think if you're looking less about touchdowns, more about volume and consistent volume, I think Van Jefferson is still is going to be the guy. And I mm. am the conductor on the Van Jefferson hype train because I see every day in practice what the um, intention is for Van Jefferson. Now, it didn't come to fruition last year, of course. And then I posed the question. Um, if a receiver runs a deep route and then doesn't get thrown the ball, does he even run that deep route? Right. But <laughs> I think it's like tree falls for us. But I think like with, with van, I see what the intention is for van. And I also see the connection that he and Matthew are developing. And I, mm. it, I think it, you know, obviously as a reporter, I'm not biased. If I weren't a reporter, I would be excited about it. If I were a fan watching that, I would be excited about that. Now, execution in the game is a little bit different situations come up and things happen. And, um, you know, you can never really quite say Van Jefferson take it to the bank. But I really think that watching those two develop the rapport that they have, and then also watching the route construction that he has and watching it expand and his playbook expand. Um, I think it's not just a hope that he steps into that role for them, but an expectation by them that he does step into that role. So, um, that's, that's my Van Jefferson speech.
1: <laughs> I love it. Look, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> about Deshaun Jackson. Absolutely. Like, if you could paint a perfect picture of the guy that this team needs, it is like Deshaun Jackson mm-hmm. from five years ago. And they're not going to be like the stupid Eagles, which is like, oh, it's Deshaun Jackson at this point in his career, we'll make him an every snap player. That totally won't, you know, be over by week two. By the way, spoiler alert, it was over by week two. Uh, Van Jefferson, though, I'm I'm with you. Like, I'm not the conductor of the hype train. I'll leave that title to you. But he is a player that I'm very intrigued by. I really like what I've seen so far in very, very limited glimpses. And if he can become... Like their ex receiver, this offense suddenly has like so much more potential. I know it's crazy to say because they've already got Stafford and you know two talented running backs, and obviously Woods and Cup are are regarded as a really good duo. But man, I I think they really need somebody like that. Like they can dictate mm-hmm. coverages and separate at all levels on the outside. And if Ben Jefferson can become that guy, I mean, and I I think there's you know, some some non-significant chance that he could be that guy this would really change. I think it would really like change the complexion of this offense, which has already changed so much in so many exciting ways.
0: Yeah, and and I think too, like one thing to keep in mind when you're looking at these receivers and how they align and, and situate themselves is like they also, one thing why I might be more optimistic about Deshaun Jackson and his ability to stay healthy, not just because I saw the, the uh, workload management that they gave him through camp and I thought it was smartly planned and smartly prepared. I'm not obviously a, Uh, had athletic trainer, but, um, I thought that it was smart. I thought that it was smart. And I thought like, Hey, uh, man, that guy says he's never had one of those. Why not? You know? (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, you know, and, and, and so for me, the other thing to keep in mind that I reason why I might be optimistic about Deshaun. And then ultimately, I mean, he's got to develop and put on about six to 10 pounds, but. Ultimately, Tutu out Atwell, as well as the Rams run, I believe they run bunch formation, I think more than any other team yeah. in the league. So that sort of protects receivers from those yes. gnarly contact, especially as it comes across the middle. It sort of protects them from linebackers and bigger safeties. It helps get them free into open space a little bit more. Yeah. And if either of those guys get free into open space, it's just game over. And I'm so sorry uh, that you faced that matchup. So it, it really is, to me, there's ways that they protect their guys within the scheme itself. You always hear the Shanahan McVay system being talked about as like the most quarterback-friendly scheme. It's also like pretty receiver-friendly very, yeah, in terms receiver of specifically the way that it protects its guys as well. So I think that that's something to keep in mind when we're talking about Deshaun Jackson and the health. But with Van Jefferson, I mean, really, I, you know, through, throughout camp, it is a, a heavy extra receiver workload, but he also can run complementary things to what Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are doing based on the rotation. He's aligned, you know, with the core. He's detached from the core. He's the target on a lot of those sideline throws downfield. I I think it's a really intriguing group. I think the huge misconception is that Van Jefferson is the same receiver as Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. To me, that that bugged the heck out of me last year is hearing people say that because I'm like, well, you're not, you you don't see what the expectation is for him. Like the intention of what they're installing, it's not necessarily the same thing that stuff that they're able to run. And I think the combination of Matthew Stafford and then sort of their plan with the run game, and then their plan with these receivers, like what you said, it just opens up more possibilities. You're you're calling with you know a hundred sheet playbook instead of like a ten sheet playbook. Um, so I think that 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 just opens up a lot of uh, a lot of different things that you can do.
1: Yeah, no receiver, no coach has gotten their receivers better layups, better free looks than Sean McVay over the last few years. Which is kind of why, you know, I'm sitting there thinking like, man, you know, I, I was not in on the Tutu Atwell pick, but like Sean McVay's done great things for Cooper Cup. Maybe he can do great things for Tutu Atwell, but it does come back to Ben Jefferson to me because as you mentioned, this whole offensive tree. The Shanahan tree, the McVay tree, like it's, it's one thing when you can get the, all these guys free. But when you get uh, Julio Jones in the Shanahan offense or um, spoiler alert for my next conversation, maybe even potentially a Brandon Ayuk in a Shanahan offense, you get that X receiver that can win ISO at all levels of the field. It really takes things to another level. That's why I'm still excited about Van Jefferson. I'm glad Jordan was able to uh, gas up that hype train a little bit. Jordan. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today on a busy day for you, a real busy day for you. My day was whatever. <laughs> your day was actually really busy. Uh, and, and I appreciate you spending some time with me. What can our listeners look forward to your work in the regular season?
0: Yes. So you guys can always find me over at The Athletic in uh, the Los Angeles section. i um, very happy to be out here uh, a little over a year at this point. It's been really fun. Um, I also do a podcast, the 11 Personnel Podcast. Of course, it is named that. We thought maybe after Tyler <laughs> Higby's breakout year, we could start calling it 12 Personnel. But nope, it's 11 Personnel.
1: Back to 11. <laughs> All the way. We
0: were, our, we were short-lived on that one. So um, so I, I we do that weekly as well. Um, got a couple of things I'm really excited about coming out. Uh, and we're running a 50% off new subscriber deal as well. So... You guys make sure you're checking that out. Um, and we also have like one of the nicest comment sections on the internet, specifically in the Athletic Los Angeles Rams section. Wow. Shout out to those guys. And I have no idea how that happened, but it, it legitimately is like one of those positive places on the internet, I believe. Um, so definitely come check that out and hang out with us.
1: Usually I find people, having people pay to enter a place is going to make them a little bit nicer than a free comment section, but that's just my take on comment sections, <laughs> which nobody needs another 30 minutes to podcast on that one. Jordan, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Today. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Matt. My pleasure.
1: And now excited to welcome to the show my good pal, Kyle Posey from Niners Nation, someone I'm lucky enough to have met in real life and been a internet pal with for a long time. Kyle, I cannot thank you enough for coming on my show for multiple reasons, uh, primarily that it has been, I'm going to pull the curtain back here, just a huge pain to get this thing all set up, man. So I am, I am very, very excited to talk to you today, especially since it has taken us both so much work to make this happen.
2: What are you talking about? It's been smooth sailing all day. Um, yeah, No, no. man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you had me on. I love you, man. Backyard banter. We go way, way, way back. Way, way
1: back, man. Yeah, and I appreciate everything that you've done, uh, not just with the Niners, but throughout your entire career. You, you're really great with the receivers, too, so you know I appreciate that. But we got a lot to get in here, uh, Kyle, because I have been saying this uh, all offseason and to the point that I, I'm sure – the listeners are sick of me saying it. I'm sick of me saying it, and I also probably have a pretty good uh hint that my producer, Brett, is also sick of me saying this. But I feel like getting the 49ers right in fantasy football this year is, like, the key to unlocking the whole thing in 2021 because there's so many different ways – This team can go based on who starts at quarterback, like who's healthy, the running back situation. So, Kyle, we're going to dive into it all with you today because you are like no pressure here, dude. But the biggest question I have about um, the league this year, you're going to help me answer it again. No pressure on that. But let's just start. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just start with the news that came out uh, today that Trey Lance is going to miss roughly a week with a quote chip in his finger. Kyle Shanahan declined to say which finger it was. Uh, The 49ers also released Wayne Gallman. Don't care as much about that. The Trey Lance thing, though, I I feel like it's kind of a foregone conclusion, at least it has been for a while now, that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to at least start week one. Do you think this injury changes any of the calculus for the coaches or the team at all?
2: I do not. So he jammed his thumb and a jam. Kyle Shanahan said it was worse than a jam on Monday, but he came down on a helmet on his thumb, and that's just going to miss – time he's going to miss time for a week but the 49ers with the final 53 man they released the third quarterback nate subfield so that tells you that they expect lance to be fine and he did say during the press press conference too that his finger wasn't really bothering too much i think they're just taking precautionary just being very very careful with it now but i think we're going to see lance early i think we're going to see him often it's just a matter of how long his leash is
1: yeah, so that's kind of my my biggest question too with Jimmy Garoppolo because I, I think there's probably – within the range of outcomes is that this is like – you know and this stuff is it's it's kind of tired like this it, we're going to have to deal with this um Alex Smith Patrick Mahomes comparison for like a long time now cuz it's like legitimately the best case scenario that can possibly happen for a team is that you have Alex Smith start for a decent like a whole year play really well to the point that you never think about putting in Mahomes and then Mahomes gets the job right away you know the next year and he becomes the greatest quarterback like that's ever played so you know that's like the best case scenario but i do think that there is like a scenario in a range of outcomes where that is um, is possible. So what's your kind of estimation on how long the leash is for this guy?
2: Yeah, I think it's just going to matter how well the rest of the team is doing. So if he's bringing down the rest of the team, if the defense isn't able to get off the field or if they're not having a long rest because Jimmy's you know not converting on first down, then we're probably going to see Trey Lance sooner than later. So it's going to be – we're going to have to ask how Jimmy is affecting – the run game are the safeties not being aggressive because they know he's not going to throw the ball down the field. And is the ceiling of the offense not as high as anticipated or not going to be as high with Jimmy as it will be for Trey Lance right out of the gate. So all of those are things that we're going to have to ask ourselves.
1: Yeah. And I think for fantasy football specifically, like who starts a quarterback is so huge, right? Because you can tell me if I'm wrong about this, but the way I have figured it out or at least worked it out of my head is that If Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback, this is probably a – it's still going to be a low-volume passing team, right? But there will probably be more pass attempts to go around for guys like George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, some of the running backs as well. But I think that the offense could be overall more efficient – with trey lance under center like more scoring opportunities because i gotta tell you what kyle i was extremely excited watching trey lance on some of those option plays in the preseason and like even if he's still making it work as a quarterback or or, or um you know kind of developing along the way i still think there's gonna be a lot of touchdown chances for this offense if trey lance takes over and like he's ready to rock and bringing some more efficiency to the table
2: Oh, yeah. And you saw it just in the last preseason game. So when nothing is there, he has the wheels to take off. And now they're ahead of the chains. And even in the red zone, like they're going to have multiple scoring opportunities. So they're going to spread it out, too. And with that in mind, touchdowns, fantasy football, that's what you want. And then speaking of fantasy, think about it. So Jimmy Garoppolo, Brandon ayuk we're talking, what, seven for 75, as opposed to Lance, who's going to air it out. And he has he has a better chance of going. It might not be seven receptions, but you're going to take five for 102 and a touchdown over seven for 75 every day of the week. So I think the explosive plays like what you're talking about, that's where, man, you kind of hope you're almost rooting for Lance to get on the field because we just know we have evidence that that hasn't happened under Jimmy. And sure, no, there's talent all over the place and there's going to be a lot of good players on the field. So with that in mind, they're going to move the ball and have an opportunity to score. But at their best, it's probably going to be with Lance.
1: Yeah, before we move into the skill position players just a- as a whole. Because I-, I agree with you. Like, yeah, the, the less volume is probably going to come around with with Trey Lance. But, again, it's it's the verticality that he's going to bring to the table. You know, they didn't draft him for no reason, right? Like, they drafted him for this no. exact reason. To-, to-, to unlock the vertical passing game. And also, like you said, I, I think that fantasy managers can get kind of stuck On projecting overall team volume and kind of like we want, we do want to generally rely on volume. But like a guy that's gonna rush, you know, pick pick up the chains as you like, pick up the first down on the on the ground, move the chains, stuff like that. That that's going to matter in the long term. Like those players are going to add up because they're going to contribute to more scoring drives. So I'm totally in agreement with you there. But on uh, just on Trey Lance in general, and and I'm this is kind of devil's advocate because I don't even know if I really feel that way. But how do you feel about kind of the the criticism of well, you know, doesn't have many college starts, didn't play last year, maybe he's just not ready, and that's why they're going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo for for a long portion of the
2: season. Yeah, I, I don't think that's true. I don't think you trade three first round picks for a guy to sit on the bench. And knowing what you just said, like he hasn't played since 2019, you're not going to get better by sitting on the bench. That's just not how this game works. Exactly. So play him, let him throw the ball to the good players that we are going to talk about. I promise you uh, he's going to be just fine. So I'm not really buying that. Sure, there are issues where he's going to have some misses. That was the case in college. That's been the case all throughout training camp. Again, he's just going to get better the more he plays, but that can't happen when he's on the bench.
1: Definitely embrace the volatility early with Trey Lance, and you brought up the pass catchers, so let's talk about them before we talk about the two running backs here. Man, if you were to dial up, kind of like. <laughs> an ideal situation for a young quarterback to come into beyond the fact that he's going to be, you know, coached by Kyle Shanahan, which is a pretty good setup there. That offense just, you know, it it it's designed to make quarterbacks look better than they are from a statistical perspective. But man, to work with a cast of characters like George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, pretty good setup there for Trey Lance as he comes into the league, specifically on Brandon Ayuk. Kyle, I'm so gassed up about this guy. Uh, I'm so excited about Brandon Ayuk. Um, I have been targeting him aggressively in all my drafts. I think he gets I think he gets open. He gets separate he gets separation. A- have I gone too far in my excitement for Brandon Ayuk, or is he like the next I think he's the next star receiver in the NFL. Where are you at with this player?
2: No, there's no doubt he looks like a stud. Like he does everything you want and even talking fantasy like you want a guy who can win at every level of the field and he's proven that early on in his career he has been inconsistent during training camp that is the one thing is will he catch the ball which is wild to say for a wide receiver (laughs) and it could in my mind it's really just focus drop so I'm not really worried about that and if he has a drop Every other game, who cares? Because who cares? Yeah. you're getting the explosive plays. They're going to give him the ball like on these screens and jet sweeps as well. So he's going to be targeted often. And I think he's going to be their isolation receiver, which means uh, those backsides on third, those backside slants on third down. So he's going to have a chance to rack up some some catches and some yards. I really think we're talking about uh, a guy that surpasses like 1,100 yards this year.
1: I love it. I, I totally agree with you. And it's because. You know, targets are earned. Targets aren't just like randomly doled out or whatever. And to me, the the fact that he showed as a rookie that he can he runs good routes, which I didn't expect him to be that type of player in year one. I don't know about you. Like I I expected him to be more of like the create a touch type of guy or like maybe just a, a splash vertical threat as a flanker. But to me, he proved that he could win at all levels and separate and run good routes as that ISO receiver, like you mentioned. And it's I, like targets find that player, man. Like he's, if he's good, he's going to earn those targets. And I believe he is good. So to me, I've got no hesitation about, yeah, there's obviously some volume concerns. Like it's not a, look, if he had a clear cut uh, path to 130 targets or something, you'd be drafting damn Brandon Ayuk in the second round. Nobody's doing that. So I think it's fine where he's going right now. I think he is, we're in agreement. He's on that kind of trajectory. If he is on that trajectory, though, how much do you think that cuts into guys like George Kittle, who's been, you know, pretty much the guy for the team over the last few years and and, he, and Debo Samuel as well, as well, who plays wide receiver, but is like doing completely different things than a guy <laughs> like Brandon Ayuk.
2: Yeah, Debo Samuel. And that's maybe the person who's affected the most by the quarterback is Debo Samuel, because as you saw when Jimmy was on the field in 2020, he was essentially relegated to like running back work with just running routes behind the line of scrimmage, I know his average depth of target was something around the line of scrimmage, but absurd. um, It was like absurdly
1: low. It's just like, we're not going to even, we're not going to see that again, almost no matter who plays.
2: That was like, that never happens. Like I imagine if you were to go down to history, you would find like five players max who were like that. So um, that, I think Samuel, among everybody that we're going to talk about, would be affected the most. I don't think anything's going to happen to George Kittle. He's going to have all of his targets. He's going to have a thousand yards. He's probably going to score touchdowns just because they're going to be in the red zone more than usual. But I do think it will affect Debo Samuel. And I think guys like the third receiver, whoever that may be, whether it's Trent Sherfield for one game, whether it's Jalen Hurd for another game, whether it's even Muhammad Sanu sneaking red zone scores, I think Debo Samuel is a guy if we're talking fantasy, that I would stay away from. I think he's going to be more of a possession underneath type of guy who they use to get the ball in his hands quick. But I'm not sure that he's going to be – um, I guess the game breaker is what I would say. The guy who you would expect to have a game where he pops for 100 yards. That really doesn't seem like Debo Samuel, especially just with how they've been running the offense just in training camp.
1: Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And it's one of those things where, like I said, targets are earned, but also all, all targets are not created equal, right? Like if Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel both get, say, 100 targets this year they're going to come from very different areas of the field. Like Kittle's uh, targets will be worth a different amount than I and Samuels, you know, like it's just the way they're used, the way they're deployed. Like you want that guy that's going to win on the outside and win down the field, especially if the volume is lower. Like if we're talking about the offense, having an overall lower pass attempt, total in general, you definitely want the guy that, you know, that's, that's going to be running downfield routes. And that's not Samuel. I I think he's, okay in like the eighth ninth round or something like that but there's a reason that Ayuk is getting pushed it up boards and samuel is getting pushed down boards and i think based on the way you're, you're talking you kind of buy into that that narrative as well and that or at least think that's logical on kittle you know is he gonna see 136 targets like he did in 2018 maybe not but i mean is he really just gonna score five touchdowns again i i tend to doubt it right like especially if he's if Like I'm saying, Trey Lance is going to boost the overall offensive efficiency of this team. Like, Would it shock you, Kyle, if we see Kittle get fewer than 130 targets but score like eight to nine touchdowns? That would help offset his ADP
2: a little bit. It would. I, th- I honestly think we're going to see the same George Kittle we see every year where it's not going to be many touchdowns. It's going to be a lot of yards, and it's going to be a lot of catches. I just think that's how they operate in this offense for whatever reason when they get down in the red zone. Uh, they, they just don't look his way, but yeah. they did. They have thrown him like goal line fades, which is interesting because when they do that, as you might imagine, he wins. I don't know if they're <laughs> just uh, not, they don't, they don't want to use him in that way, but that would be something to keep an eye on. So if you do see him split out early on in the season, I, that would be very encouraging. But yeah, I think we're just going to see what we, what we typically see from George Goodell, which is just typically being awesome, but um, yeah. I don't think it's going to be anything out of the ordinary. A lot of yards. A lot of catches, a lot of big plays, a lot of fun, but not many touchdowns. And by not many, I mean in that five to six to seven range.
1: That makes sense. Um, You know, who was kind of peppered down near the goal line last year inside the 10-yard line, Brandon Ayuk. Definitely big-time usage down there in the red zone, which is surprising to me. But um, I do think the fact that they're dialing up looks for him down there um, is pretty important. Last thing on the pass catchers and on Ayuk specifically, um, Kyle, I don't care one bit that Ayuk – like, his his splits with George Kittle, with Devo Samuel, not on the field, blah, blah, blah. Like, to me, the, his rookie season looks like the typical, well, he was only putting up these numbers, these targets, uh, because these other guys were injured. Do you care about that at all?
2: I would look at it as he was putting up the numbers that he did with backup quarterbacks. I think that's the way you have to look at it. Right. Um, he's <laughs> yeah. D- Damn Nick, is that guy even, is as, as of our taping, is he even on a roster? He is not. No, he is not. um. So with that in mind, think about what he's going to do when defenses can't focus on him because he was out there with guys who probably aren't on or in the two depth from teams around the NFL right now. So, yeah, I I don't look at it that way at all. I think he's a clear-cut number one wide receiver on the team. They treat him as such, and I think we're going to see that this year. Yeah, he's going to take off this year. And I think if if there's a guy who racks up TDs this year, it's going to be Brandon. I
1: love it. Absolutely. Love uh, that confirmation on everything that I believe from my good pal, Kyle Posey. Now <laughs> let's talk about the running backs here. Cause I think this is important. Um, I, you know, there's, this is another, like, like I said, there's so many paths that this team can go down, go down. And hopefully listeners, as we're kind of diving into this with Kyle, sort of, you know, get the idea of the most likely and least likely paths and, or at least what you think coming out of here. There's a lot of ways this backfield can go, man, because like he Mostert has played well when he's been healthy. Um, I kind of like that they've put him in bubble wrap basically this preseason. Um, But at the same time, man, like Trey Sermon's upside is very tantalizing. Like if he becomes the 1A of this committee. Uh, And even like, that's all I'm asking for. Just being the 1A of a committee backfield, he would still probably smash his ADP if we really believe this offense is going to be very good. So um, like I mentioned up top, Wayne Gallman no longer with the team. Raheem Mostert, Trey Sermon, how do you expect this backfield
2: to go? So I think Sermon's going to be the guy catching the ball out of the backfield. It's not going to be where he's running these routes down the field, but he's going to be their check down guy. So that's important. And he's going to rack up a bunch of catches like that mostert's gonna have his big plays he's gonna have carries where he goes for 60 70 80 so that's not gonna change but i do think they're gonna divvy up the carries where it's like mostert gets maybe in that 12 to 15 range and sermon's gonna be a little bit higher than that i think i think he's gonna be like closer to 15 to 18 i think they want to protect mostert throughout the season that way he's playing in december yeah so with that in mind that's why he's going to have fewer carries than Sermon. Sermon's been running with the ones the entire time. Even when Mostert was healthy, there were times where he was the first running back out of the huddle during practice. So they love him and for good reason. He's very good. He's not going to be that guy, who, you know, like Mostert who has the, the long touchdown yeah. runs, but he's going to be like the steady Eddie where he's always, always, always moving the chains. He has five, six, six, seven, where and that's those are going to add up for him. So I think Sermon's going to have a really big year. I think Mostert's going to be, you know, he's going to play well as well. So it'll just be the, they're going to ride the hot hand, but I, I really don't think there's a right answer here. If you have either one of the running back, one of these 49ers running backs, I feel like you're in good hands. Yeah. The way
1: I've looked at it is I want to be ahead of consensus on Trey Sermon because exactly kind of what you mentioned, like there, there's a scenario where he's going to be the guy. And it, and again, that would really lead to him being a pretty good bet to outkick his ADP, especially if he's catching passes. That's huge. And to me, I think that was like the number one, the number one thing I took out of the 49ers, I think the first preseason game is, yeah, Mostert wasn't playing, but like Sermon was out there for almost all the preseason snap, or, or snaps, all snaps to the first team and was getting pretty decent, like work out of the backfield. I think that is the thing that could really unlock him as the top back here, but Mostert's still a good player and like he, he's a fine as a fantasy pick, but it does sound like you think most likely scenario, Sermon is the 1A and catching passes and then, Mostert kind of in a change of pace role, which might be better for him long term.
2: Yeah, I think uh, less is more with Raheem Mostert, and that's going to play out this year. So Wayne Gallman was their third down back, quote unquote, like he was the guy in pass protection. So because he was released, I think that's an even better sign for Trey Sermon, that that's a vote of confidence for him as far as being able to protect the passer. So, yeah, we're going to see a lot of him on third downs. And most of it's just not comfortable in that role on that third down roll. He's I mean, he just doesn't look comfortable catching the ball either. So yeah. with that in mind, I don't think that Sermon's going to come off the field very much.
1: I love that. Love, love to hear that is like, who do you expect to be the third back there? Or 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 does it even really matter unless there's an injury?
2: Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to all be, I would say, a coin flips. So they have Jermichael Hasty. They have the rookie Elijah Mitchell. Both of those guys can fly. Uh, Both of those guys are more scat backs, you know, the third down type where you just really want them either getting outside or catching passes out of the backfield. So more than likely, it will be an injury, but they're going to be sprinkled in. Maybe we're talking like four or five touches a game.
1: Nice. That makes sense. All right. Last thing here before I let you go, Kyle. Um, Mostly one of my big things about why I'm kind of okay with George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel all like having pretty good years, even if the passing volume is lower on this team really not a lot of um, quality uh, or, you know, maybe or known commodities at this point um, for that number three receiver job or or the second tight end, whatever. Is there any like sleeper name to keep out for, like even if they're not going to make a big fantasy impact, but somebody that like maybe I'm not looking at that could actually have a decent role as the third receiver, second tight end, something like that and becomes a regular target in this passing game.
2: I mean, they, they want, it to be Jalen Hurd they've given him every opportunity but I think it's Trent Sherfield. and based on the preseason games based on the practices based on everything that we've seen during the past month from this team it's it has to be Trent Sherfield. so they trust him I I would argue that he has some of the better hands on this team and knowing that he can be trusted knowing they can be trusted over the middle underneath on deep passes like he can get open too. He, he's pretty underrated in that sense and he can run a little bit, which makes sense. So uh, combine all of those and the fact that, you know, he's one of those try hard guys that Kyle Shanahan loves. I think that's a guy to just keep an eye on as the season goes along, because everything so far leading up to this point, he's played very well and he's earned that third receiver spot. So uh, we'll see if it plays out. We'll see if it's just training camp hype. Uh, but, but I think it, he does have a chance to be a guy who, again, he might give you uh six 64 and two one game. And then he might come back a few weeks later and give you like 472 and one, just those type of random box scores where it's like, oh, nice. And I, I think that's what you can expect from Sherfield.
1: That totally makes sense. Um, yeah, no, it, I would love the Jalen Hurd thing to happen or to have happened at this point. But it, you know, like you said, it, it does look like Sherfield is going to kind of be the guy there. But we'll see. Maybe something happens with Jalen Hurd. But either way, um, it sounds like we've got a much better plan of attack here for what to do with these 49ers now that Kyle has enlightened us trying to figure out the team that I think is the most important team to figure out this year um, when it comes to just knowing the NFL in general, but especially for fantasy football. Kyle, thank you for joining me. Um, What can you uh, point our listeners to, to follow with with your work this
2: year? Man, just going to be covering the 49ers, but we at the old SB Nation, we have been covering uh, just the the rest of the NFL as well. Just random tidbits that pop up. Uh, can't wait to talk about that high school story, oh God, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Sycamore story. Uh, so a little bit of that. Uh, go to my YouTube channel, search my name, and I just do random breakdowns about the 49ers and the rest of the NFL there. So a lot of that.
1: We love it. You will not only be um, much smarter about the 49ers in general, you'll be as much smarter a football fan if you keep up with Kyle's work. So. Again, big thank you to Kyle Posey and Jordan Rodriguez for joining the show today and making us smarter about the 49ers and Rams, respectively. Make sure you follow them on Twitter at KP underscore show and at Jordan Rodrigue. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And, of course, make sure to follow at Yahoo Fantasy for all the latest news and analysis from our whole fantastic team here while you're waiting for Kyle's latest YouTube breakdown, you can check out Charles Robinson on the podcast. He's been covering the Cam Newton and Deshaun Watson stories better than anyone else this preseason. So you'll want to make sure you're subscribed to the UPOD pod to win the game. Got to say it like that. That's his podcast. For the latest updates on both, Dalton Del Don will be back with a new episode of this podcast tomorrow. But until then, we are out.